0: Song is on a pet on the viewpoint. That was Barita. Together with Soweto Gospel Choir, the song is Ungangi Bulali. In my language it would be Ungandi Bulali. In English it is Do Not Kill Me. This is a song that has been specifically um composed As a message, government's message in response to the 16 days of activism of no abuse against women and children. And today being World AIDS Day, the conversation yet continues in that sense. Of course, it is the African narrative because it is a Tuesday. And Miss Yvette Raphael, the executive director at Advocates for the Prevention of HIV in Africa, APA, as it were, A-P-H-A, in my language, that's here. Advocates for the Prevention of HIV in Africa, Ms. Yvette Raphael. Mem, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Good evening, Sangeda, and good evening to, you, to your listeners.
0: World AIDS Day, your work in Africa, the work of fighting the pandemic or the condition HIV and AIDS across the continent. Are we making the right strides? We've had a 30-minute discussion between Mr. Mark Haywood and the Treatment Action Campaign's Chairperson, Ms. Ms. Chabalala, as well as the hospital CEO for Tembisa Hospital, Dr. Mokhaladi, all talking about some of the challenges. What are the perspectives that you wish to share with us in relation to World AIDS Day today?
1: Uh, For me, as an HIV prevention advocate and activist, I think we can do better. We can do more in dealing with HIV AIDS prevention in South Africa. And we have to, we have to follow the trends. Currently, it is clear that we have to warm up as a country to biomedical HIV AIDS prevention, which is the use of ARV to prevent HIV. We have got PrEP, we've got the long-acting uh, vaginal ring, we've also got currently uh, just the research out with the long-acting injectable where you inject uh, are these, in, in, in somebody for two months, they are protected against HIV. I think we need to do better. Those are my messages for, for World AIDS Day and what I'd like to see our government focus on.
0: Well, talking about the government's focus, how do you think the government has responded to HIV and AIDS, which is an ongoing project, of course, despite or because of the inter- interjections of the nation's response to COVID-19. Do you feel as though your work has been compromised? Do you feel as though government has responded adequately? Or do you think that government has been on its best form ever because they've really done the most? What are your thoughts?
1: <laughs> no, not really. Our government has has actually taken us a few steps back when we warned them as advocates and activists around when, we started hearing about COVID-19 in, in China, in the U.S. We warned the government that we needed to make plans to ensure that people living with HIV have the much-needed ARVs that they that they need to stay alive and they need to, needed to ensure that people, uh, young people access HIV prevention methods. But they did not heed that call. And as you know... Very early on, after two, three months, we got reports that around 10,000 people in South Africa did not go and pick up their ARVs. So we want them to say, if we're going into lockdown, make sure that people who need the ARVs take those ARVs home as as we go into these lockdowns. So I don't think our government has done enough. I think actually the health care system is compromised severely, especially now with the COVID-19 and, and hospital beds taken up by, by by the illness. So I think we can do better. We could have done better if we listened to advocates and activists around the country.
0: Well, this is all the more then. We have to speak about what APA is doing. That's APHA. That is Advocates for the Prevention of HIV in Africa. The particular campaign that you are embarking on to raise money specifically for the psychosocial support of some 2,000 young women and girls who are survivors of the trauma of HIV and AIDS.
1: Yes. uh, You know, uh, when I speak about my own uh, HIV journey, I always speak about the experts' context that you make after your diagnosis. That one person that you meet that will ask you, about where do you want to go. So we do not have support groups in this country anymore. We also do not have spaces where people living with HIV can go and be seen through that whole process. It's a whole process of accepting your HIV status, of starting to uh, go to clinics to get your medication, and also to disclose. It's a whole process. And actually, we do not have that kind of support. So what we are doing as after this is the 20th year of me living with HIV, openly, and what we've decided is that we will raise funds for victims of trauma. We do work in the HIV research space, which means we go around the country, educate people around the importance of research, importance of us going into bi- the my- biomedical space. However, what we find there is sometimes such bad cases of counseling where people feel they are in despair. If you can just open my, my, my inbox, it is very, very sad that so many people do not get the help they need. We have uh, calling centers. Nobody actually who wants to share their story today with Songeza, tomorrow with Andile, the next day with somebody else. So what we are. Trying to do with raising two million for psychosocial support. If you have a program, or somebody comes into program and says, "This is where I am right now. This is the trauma I'm going through, and this is where I want you to see me through. This is my end goal." Sometimes I've listened during 16 days of activism. Sometimes an apology is fine for a victim. Sometimes just getting to say, this is why I want to be alive is okay. But if we do not take care of the psychosocial support and making sure that the victims of trauma go through counseling and tell us where they want to be, I think more often than not do we decide okay, we want to have a protest, we want to do this for the family, we want to expose them. Wow, that is not what they want. They just want justice, and what does that justice mean for them? So we are raising funds to employ very capable counselors that will actually take on five or six cases for the year and see those victims through. And what we want to see is actually counseling of 20,000 women, men, over the next four years for HIV
0: part of what I'm picking up in the relation of the campaign and the work that it is designed to do, not just in your voice but the voice pre- voices previous to this in relation to some of the challenges yet we are facing, it does seem as though the Department of Social Development together with the Department of Health, those two have got some serious work to do. You're talking about the interventions of persons who can in the sense of psychosocial support be present, sufficiently trained so as to deal with the traumas outside that of the condition itself. So perhaps with that point, we should also engage the listeners who are listening, many who can obviously relate with us. Many South Africans can relate with HIV and AIDS, if not every South African. And your name is not important if you're not that way inclined or comfortable to give it. But certainly let's have your thoughts on Johannesburg 714 2006 in relation to how you have been living with HIV and AIDS, what your experience has been like at healthcare facilities, how you believe or have experienced Mm. things in the course of this year and what you would suggest as a way now that you know because experience is the best teacher, now that you've been living with HIV and AIDS, what do you think this government is not getting right or could do to make things better? Because ultimately the nation's health is very much the nation Wealth. After the break, then we continue the conversation. I am in conversation just for the record with Ms. Yvette Raphael, Executive Director at Advocates for the Prevention of HIV in Africa. Johannesburg, 714 2006. After the break, we go to the final stretch.
1: The Viewpoint,
0: 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. On Raf Ms. Ms. Yvette Raphael, Executive Director at APA, advocates for the prevention of HIV in Africa. Ma'am, let's talk specifically now about I wouldn't say the failures, but clearly there is a massive opportunity yet for government through its social workers and other health practitioners, in the broad sense of health practitioners, to be out there in the community offer the kind of support outside the provision of the medical intervention in terms of it's not enough to just give people their ARVs. There's a whole lot that goes into the treatment and the care and the well-being of a person living with HIV and AIDS. And, of course, this is what you are trying to intervene in in the space as APA. But specifically a word to government or word for government, a bit of advice? Uh, Yes,
1: I think... um You know, most of the times when we reflect on our own diagnosis, like 20 years ago, there was pre- and post-counseling. The more I speak to young people, they talk to me about how rushed their counselling was. Do you know about HIV? What would you do if you get infected with HIV? So I think the retraining of healthcare workers and the partnerships with uh, you know the foreign donors and the foreign people who work in this country. There's organisations like USAID, UNAID, and those organisations have big targets. They have understanding of the disease globally. I think we need to go back to, and uh, the government needs to go back and work with with communities. Most importantly, is that we have abandoned the communities. What government has successfully done is capture civil society in South Africa because our quest to do work for our people. So as advocates and activists, what we tend to become is then government so, uh, service providers. And what happens there is then government does the funding of civil society and you cannot bite the hand that feeds you, right? If you get funding from government, you will not criticize them if they tell you to do things that you you would not feel comfortable doing, but they're paying your salary. So I think government needs to also distance themselves because our government is a political organization. It's the leadership of for political organizations, distance themselves from civil society so that civil society do what they have to do. Our work as civil society unfortunately is not to implement programs but to actually help government see where they are getting. However, government has been able to shut up this by uh, giving them projects to implement programs, and that should not be the way. I could easily go to government, give them a proposal. Somebody was talking to me today about it and said, why don't you just go to government and apply for this grant and have this, and that's not what I want to do, because my work is not to do the work of government, but actually enhance where government is failing. And that way, I would be able to, you know, call out government where they, they are gaps And the gaps in the, the services, the gaps in counseling, the gaps in looking after victims of trauma, gender-based violence is doing such a great service to women in this country. And we do not have... Uh, Sufficient, uh, you know, funding. First, I, I was looking at the solidarity fund call out for proposals. And I want to tell you, I was, I was just saying, I would never apply for that kind of funding. How do you do a call out for uh, NGOs to apply for fifty, fifty thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand uh, grants? Three hundred organizations. First, who's going to read all of those proposals? Second, who's going to keep the account of the 300 organizations with AMA 50,000. Basically, what the government and the Solidarity Fund is saying is, let's get the money together, we give you the money, you shut up, and then we move on. What about the victims? What about the survivors on the ground? So for me, the government has to do better and distance themselves from civil society.
0: I suppose this is the true case of your insisting on your independence. Let's spend a bit of time then to talk about the hashtag Yvette's 20th anniversary because as you had mentioned earlier on, this is your 20th year living with HIV and AIDS and this is your opportunity now to give back. The question really is what would have motivated you to go that route?
1: As I said earlier, my motivation is exactly the same, the one person. That I, when I came out of a dismal counseling session, when I was told that I need to fix my issues with God, I need to start making plans, and I had a one-year-old, and I walked into a counseling session with a private doctor, and he sat me down, and he explained to me about how ARVs would help me, and help me stay alive, and I just needed to ensure that I don't listen to the noise outside, follow what he's advising me, and decide what my... And what justice would mean for me as a as somebody who was infected with HIV. That counselling never leaves me, and I use the same way of counselling when I encounter anybody going through some trauma, whether gender based violence. What is the day you meet with me? What is that you want to see at the end of the tunnel? At the end of when you say you've gotten uh, through your counselling, what would that look like for you? And that is what. I am trying to do to say I would like to be that light, that hope, that glimmer of hope somewhere for somebody who's just been diagnosed, who's just gone through trauma of rape, who's just gone through, through trauma of losing somebody. To say why have to help you through this process, and most of the time our our funding does not allow us to do that because we implement. Hope. Right. So this one is where we will be able to do as an organization to do the same things that we experience as as, as people to say what we want to see justice. This is the justice that we want to see. And raising two million is a long story, but I believe South Africans will listen, South Africans who will dig into their pockets because their family members are going through some of these traumas. Their family members cannot speak about their own experience in fear of the stigma it will cause to their families. So I think if we just look at it and see how this will help those close to us, we would be able, South Africans would be able to speak to this court when they go to our website and just press that link and just make as little as 500 rand to this court to ensure that we have enough money to really support survivors of of trauma and uh, and victims of rape and, and all of these things that we're experiencing as a country.
0: After the break, we continue then the conversation with Ms. Yvette Raphael, the ED at APA, Advocates for the Prevention of HIV and AIDS in Africa. Johannesburg 714-2006 is the number two dial. There really isn't much time, maybe one or two calls. We'll read a couple of SMSs as well as we wrap up. How you can support, how you can form part of this campaign, outside monetary support still where your skills might be necessary, a conversation with Ms. Raphael after this break. Song is on, on sfm The i The APA Psychosocial Support Programme will support women and girls who are victims of trauma, gender-based violence, and those living with HIV and AIDS across South Africa. Such a programme, of course, can go a long way towards building resilience and impact millions of lives, as we know that many households in South Africa are led by women. So in this conversation then, let's talk about how you have been able to get to your mark of some 2,000 young women and girls, why it was especially important for you in your campaign to target them and which is more how South Africans can add support, if not financially, then some other form of muscle?
1: Yes, uh, I think uh, what is important for us is to also remember that we can make these strides and these differences in our own households by listening i always say just look around your, yourself and you will see that somebody around you is going through something and, and 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 as well how we speak i think we as south africans need to learn learn to speak positively all the time i mean when i listen to south africans speak about protecting themselves against hiv the dangers and how not to when we could use such a better word and more positive words like just using a condom. Nobody needs protection against another human being. All you need to do is use a condom. So we as South Africans also need to embrace the change in language because when we speak about the stigmatizing way you don't know the person next to you and if they are HIV positive or not or even rape you know some of us we talk about how people get, uh, get raped because they wore short clothes and you make remarks that oh look at that one I mean I stand next to men and men talk about yes, that one up. Ah, she's not dressed and that in itself can stigmatize and traumatize and actually re-trigger somebody who's gone through that trauma
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much then, Ms. Yvette Raphael, Executive Director at Advocates for the Prevention of HIV in Africa. It was the conversation on the African narrative, of course, hashtag 20 20th anniversary, a campaign by the organization to help those living with HIV and AIDS, particularly targeting women and young girls. Two thousand is the number and two million are the targeted funds so please make sure to visit their website where you can and offer your support it's 21:31. 31 that's the show then halfway done it is the first day of december some 24 days and three hours to christmas what a year it has been if you're alive be thankful if you're alive and have a job be especially thankful many have succumbed either to their work or worse their lives